0: Turn to uh, Mark chapter number 16. Can you remember, maybe you can't, maybe you can, as a child, Christmas morning, and you're getting up way too early? Did anyone else? Let's see, show of hands this morning. Anyone else to do that besides me? There's only three of us? Four of us? Five? Okay, a few more people feeling honest now. Uh, and, and your parents kept up. go back, go back. I've got to be honest, all morning I've been wanting to get in the pulpit and just preach. I'm so excited. It's Easter. He is risen. I mean, I love Sundays. I think you know that by now, but I love Easter Sunday. It's the day that true Christianity... uh, 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 Let me paraphrase that. There's lots of people who say they're Christian, but true biblical Christianity, what God's Word says, not what man says, what God's Word says, it declares today with a heart of joy and thanksgiving... He is risen! He is risen! Our Savior is not in a cold, cold tomb. He is alive. And He's alive forevermore. And Christian, if that doesn't encourage you, you need to come see me in my office after and we'll have a chat, okay? It needs to get your heart fired up because it's true. He lives. He lives. We serve a risen Savior. Uh, let's go over to Mark chapter number 16. And we're going to examine the first Easter morning. We're going to look at the message of the Easter angel. We saw a little bit of that. What Pastor Matt read for us earlier in Matthew. Uh, but we're going to look over here at Mark chapter number 16. And we're going to start in verse number 1. Mark chapter 16 and verse number 1. And when the Sabbath was passed... Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Siloam, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entered into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. He seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. He hold the place where they lay him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for any day that you allow us to have. This day that we remember, we celebrate you rising from the dead resurrection. Lord, I pray that you encourage us as you always do. You're faithful to. Lord, help us to see the great message here on this first Easter morning. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. That This is going to be our theme text, but I'm going to read you lots of verses. Uh, and the reason I'm reading you lots of verses is because we have in a day and age where uh, people have lots of opinion, I want to tell you what the Word of God says. Where God never fails, Amen. It's the same, always will be. It will never fade away. It's true. Uh, so th- this morning uh, we're going to look at the, the message, really, the, of what the Easter angel said. And the Lord used angels numerous times. God used angels many times to announce, make announcements to humans. I'm just going to give you a couple off the top. This is not an exhaustive list. You can surely find more. Uh, I think of when uh, <coughs> the Lord sent an angel to. Warn Lot of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. You can find that in Genesis 19. The announcement of Samson to his parents in Judges 13. Uh, announcement of the, uh, of the birth of John the Baptist uh, to, his, to his dad, and his dad wouldn't believe him, and then he didn't, couldn't speak until the baby was born. It was a pretty amazing story. You can find that in, in uh, Luke chapter 1. Uh, announcement of the conception of Christ to Mary, and, and that's found in Luke as well, 11 verse. And announcement of birth of Christ to the shepherds on the hills outside Bethlehem. Of all these, that's probably the most famous of one I just mentioned. So there's numerous times. Uh, it seems like whenever God had an announcement of extreme importance, he used the angels. Now, he doesn't use angels today because he's given us his fulfilled word, okay? We don't need any more angels to show up. We have everything we need for life right here, amen? God's word we can get it from Him. The Lord has given it to us. But He used them numerous times in history to make announcements, make great announcements. And this is probably the greatest one the angels were used to make. On that first Easter morning, as dawn was breaking, on a day the world never knew all the changes were coming that day, but a day that would forever change the world. A special angel delivered a special message, a message that is vitally important on us and it needs to be declared. It needs to be shattered from the rooftops. In our land and every land, in the whole world, worldwide, they need to hear that Jesus is alive. Let's get the context here a little bit. Could you imagine? We're kind of given the, the, the emotional side here in the first few verses of Mark chapter 16. You get the idea as Mary, the Magna, Mary, the mother of James and Siloam, as they're they're going that they're a little bit afraid? Oh, definitely. Dread had filled their hearts as this little band of ladies make their way through the still dark. Remember, it's it's still early. It's not like it's up, the sun's up, still early. And they're going uh, through the dark streets of Jerusalem. We don't know exactly what house they were in, but they were making their way. Who were these ladies? Mary Magdalene, she was a lady the Lord freed from devils. She was possessed by demons and the Lord freed her. Well, Jesus had a special place in her heart. Mary, the mother of James. This was a, a, one of the James that was the disciple. Or they often they refer to, writers refer to him as the lesser James. Well, James isn't lesser. He's just because there was two, okay? He loved the Lord. He served the Lord. And Salome was the wife of Zebedee, the mother of James and John all from different backgrounds, all who loved the Lord, all who followed the Lord. They're going to the tomb of the man they had believed to be the Messiah. Now they're confused at this date. They don't know what's happening. The man who left all things to follow, they're going to the tomb of the man who promised life to all that would come unto him, but who is now himself dead. They had, he had been in the tomb for three days. They must have been crushed. They must have been heartbroken. They did not understand. They, they failed to understand the teaching that God or the Lord Jesus Christ had given earlier. and, And now they are crushed. Have you been there? Not, not in this portion of scripture, but in your life. Have you been in a place where you've been crushed, heartbroken? I'm trying to help you get, I'm trying to help you get a step to stage emotionally for you here. Because it's important to the story. These ladies come. They're coming to do this final act. They're hurting. All of us here have been in a place where we've been hurting. Every one of us. Their hearts are heavy. They're crushed. They're broken. And I'm sure they were confused. And I'm sure they were just a little bewildered as, what has happened? The last three days have not been enjoyable days for them. There's been confusion, there's been heartbreak, there's been tears, there's been sobbing, there's been more confusion, more tears, more sobbing. And, and as they're coming to the tomb, in verse number 3, they say, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? They're coming to prepare, do the final preparations for the Lord's body. I mean, they were servants' hearts. They wanted to serve the Lord, but this is not how they thought they would be doing it this day. How would we gain entrance to that tomb? I mean, we're just three ladies. This rock is huge. It's massive. Proceed along with their mission of tender mercy. Then they came within the side of the tomb. And when they looked, verse number four, they saw the stone was rolled away. It was very great. I don't know if there was a bend in the road, but as they come around the corner, trying to visualize it in my own mind, they come around the corner, they're worried about how we're going to move. Mary, how are we going to move the stone? And go around the... The stone is rolled away. We need not worry about the stone is rolled away. And in Matthew, that's a portion of scripture Pastor Matt read for us, uh, it talks about the keepers or as dead. So there, there's a strong possibility that the Roman soldiers who were to keep the stone were lying on the ground. Could you imagine? That would raise my heart a lot to see a bunch of soldiers on the ground. You know, what is happening here? Their heart must have been racing and pounding and maybe gripped with fear. Maybe the Jewish uh, rulers had taken the body to prevent the disciples from uh, celebrating a fake resurrection or whatever. Maybe grave robbers had taken the body and used it in some sort of extortion plot. I mean, who knows for sure what was racing through your mind. Have you ever found out that when fear races through your mind, it lies to you? I mean, that's all fear does is lies. It tells you all kinds of things that aren't true. I'm sure that all that was racing through their minds. They were thinking of all kinds of things. Whatever the doubt and concerns they may have had, they were short-lived. Because suddenly the woman noticed a young man, verse number 5, they entered the sepulcher. So even though the scene, probably the Roman soldiers were there, we're not absolutely positive all of them were there, but in they go. The stones rolled away i got to give it to them. These ladies are braver than me. I think I would have ran the other way. But well, they poked in to see what's going on. What's going on here? Verse 5, And they entered into the sepulcher, and they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white gray, uh, uh, garment, and they were affrighted. I think they were scared before, but now they really were affrighted. Like they were afraid. But this is where the message comes in. This is the message from the Easter angel here. Okay? And he said unto them, be not affrighted. Be not afraid. So he's saying, peace. Peace. The fear these ladies must have had upon seeing an angel. I mean, talk about a very eventful morning for these ladies. Right, I mean, they're, for a moment, they're, just a few moments ago, they're walking, probably crying, upset. How are we going to open the sepulcher? The sepulcher is open. There's no Roman soldiers. We walk inside the sepulcher. There's an angel. What a morning they're having! And no doubt they are afraid, and I would be afraid, you would be afraid. But what grace the first words of the lips of this individual, is angel, is peace, peace. That's how the Lord deals with His people. Second Timothy 1.7 For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. You, you probably find this hard to believe, but that verse still helps me when I get in front of people and preach. Because I can still get afraid. I mean, I'm pretty sure that my speech teacher never thought I would be preaching. No, it's of the Lord. Amen. It's His. It's Him. It's Him. It's very appropriate that His resurrection should be attended with the message of peace. Because over 2,000 years later, His resurrection from the dead still brings that same message of peace to all hearts who would receive Him. All who will receive Him will have that peace. Knows a few areas of life where His resurrection gives peace. First of all, salvation. Hebrews 7.24 Wherefore is He able also to save them? To the othermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. If you come to a place in your heart and life accept Jesus Christ, your Savior, you accept salvation, you have peace, my friend. Peace that you'll never buy if you had all the money in all the world. You can't do it without Jesus. Peace from death. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this in John chapter 11. Now, I understand we physically die, but this is referring to spiritual separation from God. We'll live eternally with Jesus Christ. And there's peace. Eternity. John 14, 1-3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, uh, uh, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be. Be also. Awesome. I heard that message on this date in 1996. Someone preached a message exclusively from John chapter 14. I was about five rows back on the right hand side and I knew that I needed to get saved. This is my spiritual birthday today. Today, 22 years ago, I got saved. I stand before you telling you it has changed my life. I am not the same man. I am different. The Lord does that, and He brings peace to hearts and lives. Life itself. I will never, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, John chapter 14. The, the Lord brings peace to our hearts and lives. I hope as a Christian here this morning, you could testify to that to the neighbor next to you on either side, that because you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have peace in your heart and life even when things aren't going well. It's the Lord that does it, not us. I don't know about you folks, but those things give me a true peace of heart. It's a message, it's not only a message of peace, though, which is it is, it's a message of power. He is risen. He is risen, the angel continues to say. So be not affrighted, affrighted, don't be afraid. There's peace. You seek Jesus Nazareth, which was crucified, he is risen. Now, Jesus was not the first man that we find in Scripture that raised from the dead. We have a number of records uh, for us in Scripture. Lazarus in John chapter 11, uh, the widow of Nain, uh, her son in Luke chapter 7. And and I know back in the fall, as we've been going through the book of Mark, uh, we saw about Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter number 5. But Jesus was the first to get up and never die again. And he's the only one. He's the only one. All the other ones were resuscitations, in in, in fact. They were brought back, but they did die. Jesus came back and He lives today, amen? He's risen. He is alive. And because He was able to conquer death, all those who receive Him as their personal Lord and Savior become partakers of that same power. Let that sink in for a moment. Think about that. At the very moment of salvation, His resurrection power is imputed to us and we become alive in Him. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. That's the abundant life which Jesus spoke of in John chapter 10, verse 10. If you're here this morning and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me encourage you to do this today is pause, stop. We live in such a busy society, our culture is so geared that way, it's like every minute is accounted for. I want you today to stop and pause and think of what Christ has done for you. Think about it. And just not like as you're eating your lunch today. I mean, stop and think. What Christ has done for you. Take the time to look around you and see what the Lord has done in your life. Maybe you should get a pen and paper out and write down what the Lord has done. Since that day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then it will become plain to you the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ is active today. The world says, oh, who cares? We don't need Him. Listen, you need Jesus. You need Him. Don't think you can live your life without Him because you are heading down the road of a fool. Accept Him. Want Him. Look for Him to be active in your life. And I'm pretty sure that you'll find the Lord wants to be involved in your life. And I'm pretty sure that you'll see around you people in our church, and I hope you know other Christians and well give testimony of what the Lord has done. I know there's people in our room right here this morning who were at drunkards and the Lord saved them. Not drunkards anymore, amen. I know people are dabbling in the occult and witchcraft and they got saved, and they're loving serving Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter where you're from, Jesus changes lives. He changed his lives. Every redeemed sinner is a testimony to the life-changing, life-giving power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. After all, a dead man doesn't have the power to change anybody's life, does he? He has to live, and he lives! A living Lord can work a miracle in your life today. In your life. You might say, well, Pastor Alcock... I can see you're pretty passionate about this this morning, and it's a nice message, but you just don't know what I have done. I've done some really bad stuff, and I don't think it'll work for me. Hey, what you have done has not diminished what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It does not matter. Now, I'm not saying that to go, so you could go do it again. No, you need to come to Jesus, but what you've done does not overwhelm the power of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. Come to Him! Come to Him. Anyone can come to Him and find salvation. Therefore, if any man... You didn't know there's so many syllables in any, right? Any man. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. What a wonderful verse. If that was the only verse in the Bible that would give me credence to that, that would be wonderful. But there's others as well. All can come. All can come. I remember growing up in First Baptist Church, and We uh, back in the 90s, the, the um, Iron Curtain had not come down yet in Eastern Europe and Russia and things, but there was a mass exodus of folks from that part of the world getting out. And back then, the technology of engines, they couldn't make it from Russia or Germany all the way to Cuba uh without having to stop in the ga- uh, in the Newfoundland with the biggest gas station in the world in Gander all right they would have to stop in Gander and get gas and you're not allowed to refuel the plane with people on the plane so they have to all get down and go into the terminal and i mean thousands of people did not get back on the plane they stayed they stayed and Gander's not a very big place if you've been there you know you you blink a couple times and you're back in the woods again okay it's really small okay so they would truck them uh, bust them into st johns lots of housing and things uh, so our church under the leadership of a uh, of a man uh pastor mitchell began the ministry to the refugees it was amazing uh so my dad uh was a bus driver he had his bus license so he would go pick up refugees at apartment buildings that the government had purchased or rented out for the families. And I would go with my dad all the time. I'd go with him and drive around and pick up people. And most of them had very limited English. But they were so excited that someone was picking them up to go to church. Where they were from, they met in secret. They weren't allowed to tell anybody. If they did, they could go to jail. They lose their families and they go to the gulag and all these other things. And we had people from all parts of the, you know, Eastern Europe, Cuba and Russia. And, uh, we had, we had KGB officers who were Christians who left Russia and came to our church. Amazing. It was so cool. It was so amazing. And we had people in our home from Bulgaria and all places in Eastern Europe. And so my dad would pick up people. And, uh, so, you know, the, it seems like every culture has, you know, you do something nice for me, I'm going to do nice, something nice for him. And, uh, this is probably where it all started for me, is they brought us food. It's all, my love of food started then, okay? But they would bring in this Russian bread that was like heavy as lead. I mean, I brought, I thought I could eat three slices, I got one and a half down, and I passed out at the table. It was so much food. Uh, but they just break food, and they're so thankful. And I recall one Easter Sunday, it was just like yesterday, it seems in my mind. We had So no one really stayed in Newfoundland, unless you were a fisherman, and most Eastern Europe countries are not fishermen, that they would move to other places, the United States, different parts of Canada. So no one really stayed very long. It was kind of sad that way, but it was still pretty cool. But there was three families that really stuck around a long time. I think they really wanted to stay, but just didn't pan out. But they were sticking around for a while. They got to know us. And I'm kind of a stereotypical Newfoundlander. I'm actually probably a little quieter than other Newfoundlanders. So there's always a racket, lots of noise at church. Okay, There's always noise. And I remember this one time. Now, these three families were pretty quiet, though. You know, they were a little bit more... You know, they're in a different country. They didn't know exactly what they were... You know, the culture was different. It was really different, Newfoundland. But at any rate, they, they just were a little bit more quiet. And I remember coming into church this one Sunday morning. Now be prepared, okay? He's risen! He lives! And we're like, what? what? You never speak. What are you talking And we knew exactly what they were talking about. And They were so excited! Back where they were from, if they said something like that, they could get up in jail and... Get the families taken away. I think they still said it, but they probably were a little bit quieter tones. In church they were excited. He lives, he's risen. And I'll be honest, how loud they said it was not you know, was a little unusual. And a few of my friends we were a little taken back, like, Yeah, okay. And they were like, oh, we're sorry we didn't mean and we were like, No, no, you're right. So then all of us started saying it. Everybody in church, all the teenagers got saying it to everybody. And everybody was smiling. He lives. He's risen. Hey, the power of Jesus Christ changes people. And we need to remember. And we don't need just to remember today. We need to remember every day. That he changes lives. And he is risen. They had declared it in Belarus where they had lived and now they're in Newfoundland saying that same time. Now they live and some live in Pennsylvania, some live in Ottawa and they declare the same thing. He is risen. So should we declare it. He is risen in every corner of our great land. The message of peace and power, the message of potential, message of potential. You see, Jesus Nazareth, which was crucified, he is risen. He is not here. After Jesus rose from the dead, he disappears, and I believe there's some, some transactions taking place in heaven. He's with the Father. Uh, John chapter 20 tells us that he appears to Mary Magdalene, but he's forbid to touch, or Mary's forbid to touch him because he was he had business to take care of. But this work of Jesus is forever finished. The risen Lord, His work is finished. In a sense, He doesn't need to do it again. It's done. Matthew, uh, Hebrews 10.12, he, after He have offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. He took care of it. It's paid. The bill is paid. But don't think for a minute that Jesus is not busy this morning. He's still alive he's still active and he's laboring on our behalf romans 8:34 tells us that he's acting as an intercessor who is he that condemneth it is christ that died yea rather that us risen again who is at the right hand of god who also taketh intercession for us that mean of intercession means pleading on behalf of another i know jesus christ as my lord and savior My Savior is pleading on my behalf to the Father. That's amazing. He's pleading my case. He's acting as my intercessor. He's pleading on my behalf. That is awesome. That He loves me that much. That He would plead my case. Who am I? Well, He looks at me and says, You're one of Mine." You're part of the family of God. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to intercede for you. He's watching over us. Not only is he act as an intercessor, he's watching over us. Hebrews 14, uh, 4, uh, 13 says, "Neither is there any creature that manifests in his sight." I mean, he knows. He's watching over us. He feels our pain. Hebrews 4:15. For we had not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we, as we are, yet without sin. Now I was thinking about this this week. You know, the Lord's more concerned about our affairs than we are sometimes. Because we can act so like, "Ah, oh, who cares? So lackadaisical. I don't really think things through. The Lord is interested. He cares. And He's watching over us. He sees our pain. He's there to help us. He's there to help us through that. He's there to give us strength and give us the peace of our heart. To keep going. Acting as an advocate in First John chapter two verses one and two, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. The Lord is there for us. A propitiation is not a word I have ever used outside of reading God's Word. Pretty sure none of you use it. I mean, maybe you do, but it's not a really common word. It means satisfaction. You know the idea is that he satisfies what Jesus did on the cross for us, and his death and burial, resurrection satisfied our heavenly Father to pay the debt of sin. He did it. Preparing a place for us is well. It's another thing. Is, you know, I read that verse for you already in John chapter fourteen, verses one to three. You know Jesus shares a common trait with every other living thing this morning. He is active. He is active but his activity is all for the benefit of his people he's working on our behalf so often our activity is geared to myself the mantra and the society of our day says it's all about me how can I be pleased and what's for my benefit that's the prevalent thought Jesus activity is all about transforming lives amen He wants to save people. He wants to see people come to Him and be saved and watch their lives be transformed and watch them serve Him. And by serving Him, we serve others. We're doing His will. So there's peace, there's power, potential. Number four is promise. He's not here. Behold the place where they laid Him. But go away way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. I, I mean, I don't know how the ladies, these three ladies are computing all this information. I mean, it's not a lot of words, but it means a lot of things, doesn't it? And they're reminded as they're trying to compute all this, the angel closes the message and tells these women, a promise they will see him again. That word must have been a great balm of healing for their hearts, don't you think? They had showed up to prepare his body and he's not there, so they're afraid now that the, the angel tells them where they, he's, he's not here, he's risen, and you'll see him again. I mean, I can almost see their faces lightened. I mean, they, it must have just helped lift their broken and confused hearts. They came to that tomb early that morning expecting to see a dead body. They were grieving over a great loss. Now they're looking at a tomb that's empty and with the promise that they will see him again. Can you imagine the excitement? It must have been amazing. I mean, I, I, I'm I excited here and I wasn't there. I mean, it must have been amazing. Yep. What happens when you get excited? Well, okay, in my house, the decibels really go up, okay? I mean, it just max out. That's why we got a nine-foot ceiling in our house, just to help. Okay? Wow! Mary, we're going to see Jesus again! Can you imagine? Can you imagine Mary Magdalene, the lady who was saved from the devils? Can you imagine how her heart must have leaped for joy? All of them must have leapt for joy. I mean they probably I can hardly wait. When is this happening? When is this going to take place? Have you been so excited that you trembled? That's what it says there in verse number eight. And they went out quickly. They were dashing home. And they fled from the sepulchre, for they trembled and they were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Have you ever been so excited you he trembled just a little bit. Not in fear. Because they're not really afraid anymore. They were so excited. This was amazing. The idea of, of amazed, astonished with delight. With delight. I, I, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I trembled a little bit when I got keys to our first home. I'm pretty sure. I, I, because I definitely was not, not on my right mind. Because I slept in that house with no blankets, no pillow. I slept in that house that night. That's a true story. I didn't make that up or anything. Maybe you um, trembled just a little bit when you got married and you saw your wife coming up the aisle to the altar. Maybe you trembled. That was well. Maybe there was a bit of fear there too. I don't know. But you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Maybe you got that job you always wanted. You know, your mouth's all dry. You're waiting for the phone call. Phone call comes. It always your voice always squeaks then, doesn't it? Hello <coughs> hello <coughs> And then they tell you, yeah! you can't scream in the phone because you lose your job, but yeah. Thank you. <laughs> then you' woo maybe maybe that first baby, the first one that just that first one changes everything. Amen, parents, changes everything. Or maybe you get a little bit trembled when you get the phone call from that firstborn says, Dad, Mom, we're having a baby. Woo! I'm going to spoil that thing. I mean, I'm so excited for you, honey. (laughs) This past week, something even greater. I was coming out of our WBF in Brampton, walking up to my car and pulled out my phone, you know, make sure that I wasn't giving any orders to pick up milk or I was giving texts for my kids <laughs> praying for ice cream or something of that nature. I pulled out. I got a message from Jessica saying, Pastor, two boys came to our WBF tonight and they were asking about how to get saved. My dad prayed with them and showed them how to be saved. They prayed too. Well, I'm going to tell you what happened. I got out of my car, and I'm like, Woo! <laughs> Rainbow was there, and Chris, and I'm shouting down uh, Brother Mark Adamo's road, That someone got saved! <laughs> hey, we need that spirit to be excited when someone steps up by faith and they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. He changes everything. Oh, there's other things. That that house, that job, uh, kids, grandkids. Well, it all changes things too, but accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that changes everything. Changes everything. And I'll be honest, I did a little happy dance too. Yeah. If you heard a big yell in Brampton, it was me, okay? On Wednesday night. You know, on this Sunday, April first, two thousand eighteen, we may not be able to see the Lord physically risen there in Galilee, right? We can't do that, but we have a promise, and they shall see His face, not in Galilee, but in glory, but in glory. You know, if the Lord would uh, uh, be, if it be His will that He would call us home through the rapture, we find that in God's Word. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. That's That's promise. That's a promise. If we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and then He'll come in glory, and He'll rule on this earth, and we'll forever be before Him in heaven in His glory. Wow. I have to be honest. I have had lots of thoughts in my ministry of, about heaven. I've done lots of funerals, and even not even the funeral part, but just thinking about heaven. I know, so, I, I, there's one individual here today that I go to his place often and we start talking about things and we leave out more confused than we started. How can you wrap your mind around heaven? You can't. It's too wonderful. It's too amazing. It's beyond description. I mean, we have some description of heaven. And it's what I find in the description of heaven is pretty marvelous. It's, it's unbelievable. And I have friends who are in heaven now, and I have family who are in heaven, and heaven's becoming more and more of an attractive place and sense. I know more about it, and uh, folks have gone before you. But the greatest thing about heaven is Jesus. That's the greatest thing. That's the greatest thing. And I am, and if you are here today this morning and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, one day you will be there too, and you'll see His hands were the nails pierced and the feet. And you will know that He is the Lamb slain for the sin of the world. Heaven's going to be wonderful. That's not even a good enough word. I can't give you enough words to describe how wonderful heaven will be. But it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. Those three ladies... Started out that first Easter morning with some really heavy hearts, didn't they? Some really broken, oh, confused. I mean, the emotions. I I probably could not describe all the emotions they were having in their hearts and in their lives. They heard that first Easter message and they went home changed, didn't they? They went home changed. That angel preached a powerful Easter message. One that I personally believe is the most important message. It's the message that needs to be proclaimed throughout our land, throughout our world. All need to hear it. That He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. I, I'm so thankful for what the Lord done in my life. And I hope and pray that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He changes everything. Oh, Maybe someone here is my. well, I've got to change all this before I get saved. Listen, accept Jesus Christ and watch how He changes things. Because Jesus is not in a situation that He'll reform your life because that's what you do when you're trying to change things. I'm trying to reform my life. Jesus transforms lives. Transforms. Do you know Him? Do you know of the Savior that the Easter angel Gave the message to these ladies. Do you know him? Because you need to.